Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Hines, was there ever a more beautiful human? From his days as the Bondi PT to his stint on My Kitchen Rules, his winning series of clean living cookbooks and his success as part of the Paleo Way, Luke Hines lives and breathes his message. I love this interview. I found out stuff about Luke that I've never heard before. In fact, he's never even shared it in an interview before. We unpack the highs and the lows of reality TV shows, bust some of the myths and controversies of the paleo diet and find out what Luke Hines and Hugh Jackman have in common. Luke's positive energy is contagious and refreshing. And if you're not his biggest fan yet, you will be after this interview. Enjoy. I'm actually a Melbourne boy born and bred. Um, and I lived really, really close, 10 minutes from the city. So the majority of my childhood was really quite, you know, um, in an urban, and I was near like suburbs like Richmond and um, places like Collingwood and Fitzroy. So I, I didn't have really a beachside upbringing, but whenever we did go on holidays, I was absolutely in heaven and in my element. So when it kind of came time to it, I eventually was like, well, you know, I kind of think that where I belong is by the sea with a lot more space. So mm. my upbringing is certainly a, a little bit different to kind of where I am now. And then, I mean, you, you became the Bondi PT, which, <laughs> which is not very Melbourne of you. No, it's not at all. I think Melburnians are known for um, being very good at rugging up in winter, having fantastic winter coat fashion and um, drinking a lot of coffee and being rugged up in cute little wine bars in the alleyways. Yeah, uh, and then when they're not doing that, they're shopping. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. I, isn't Chadston the fashion capital? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so... Uh, when I became, I guess, you know, the Bondi PT, um, and thank you, Bondi Vet, for giving that, that great little idea. Um, ah, really? It, yeah, well, look, I, I, recent, I moved to Bondi around the same time that Dr. Chris Brown was kind of having his start. Yeah. And um, my brother, who lives in Bronte, actually, said, why don't you kind of brand yourself as, you know, the Bondi PT? And no one's done it yet. And you're not going to train anywhere else but Bondi, so why not? Yeah. And, uh, you know. Very the, clever, that brother sorry. of yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm still paying him a commission. Yeah. <laughs> so personal training, was that, was that something that you had intended since you were quite young or how did you fall into that? 
Well, I did actually, yeah, fall into it. So I actually, straight after high school, um, well, during high school, I actually was quite theatrical and I was into debating and drama. And I did a number of school musicals. And I actually did quite well, surprisingly, and it was a bit unexpected. And then my drama teacher said, you'd actually be quite good if you auditioned for an acting school. And there was a, there was a drama school um, that was quite well known and still is quite well known in the country town of Ballarat in Victoria. Mm. And um, it's the same course that Hugh Jackman did, which is a Bachelor of Arts majoring in musical theatre. Really? Now, only 20 people get into this course each year. And I thought, oh, well, I may as well um, audition, give it a go. I doubt I'll get in. So my first preference after year 12 was criminology um, because I loved police work and that's what I'd done my, um, my work experience in. Oh, wow. And then second was sports science. And then third was actually the, the drama school. Anyway, I auditioned and I went through a number of rounds of um, callbacks and I ended up being one of 18 selected for this three-year full-time musical theatre degree. Oh, my and I was like. Hell yeah. I was like, that's amazing. I mean, 40 hours a week of singing, dancing and acting where you learn jazz, tap, ballet, all different vocal styles, acting skills, all that type of stuff. And it was incredible. I, I, I took it. I did it. I, I moved to Ballarat, which is a kind of small, cold, gold rush town in yeah. country Victoria. And um, it was the best thing I've ever done. It was, it was such an incredible experience. So after graduating that, I did a number of musicals. I worked with Opera Australia. I was the human element hosting Bob the Builder throughout Australasia. What? Yeah, all these different things. <laughs> now, it, it blows people's minds. It's blowing it, my you know, mind. <laughs> about 10 years ago, I was living a really different life. I was doing yes. musical theatre. I was travelling around Asia and New Zealand doing these live kids shows in these big arenas. And there was something missing. I remember being in all these hotel rooms and flights and there was such an element of excitement. But at the same time, I felt really lonely because mm. I, got, I called it the big brother syndrome where you've, you're living with these 10 or 12 people um, and that's it. You're not really having relationships and you're not really having um, sustained long-term friendships because it feels like after each production finishes, you move on to another you know, group of six to 10 people that you mm. work with and then you move on again. And I was sitting in a hotel room in Singapore that I'd been in for two months and I thought, I don't even have a photo frame next to my bed. Yeah. You know, I, I have nothing that I'm looking at that I feel is my home. So I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and do my study in sports and nutrition because for me, that's another major passion that I'd developed whilst traveling around because traveling the world and doing kids shows and dancing, you needed to be super fit. So that's where I found a love for the gym and healthy eating because being on the road, you really have to look after yourself. And then I realized I really loved it. And then I realized it was the perfect job for when you're not in an acting gig because as things go, when you are you know, a performer, you're not always in work. So it became this period of time where I was juggling going to auditions and a personal trainer. And I was living in St. Kilda in Melbourne. And I thought, you know what? I'm starting to really love the training I'm starting to connect with it, a bunch of amazing clients. I'm starting to build friendships. It's, it's, it feels really, really good. And it came a point where I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the performing side a little bit of a break for the moment because the constant chase of work mm -hmm. and the constant sourcing positive reinforcement from a panel of casting agents yes. can be quite detrimental, I think, to your kind of self-esteem because you think, you're, you've, you think you've got it and you walk away from an audition and you're like, yeah, this is the one, you know, I will be the phantom of that opera. 
and, um, and and then when you're not, you're like, oh, well, what have I done wrong? Am I, did I not sing well enough? Did I not yeah. dance well enough? Or w- what was it? And I was really enjoying this lifestyle where I was helping others um, rather than being in a career that was probably very obsessive about how you look, what you kind of, you know, being in the performing arts industry, there is a constant judgment on you when you audition, but there's also a constant judgment of yourself. And I think you've got to be really, really strong to sustain that long term. And then I was doing the personal training, which felt fantastic because I was helping others, which takes the focus off yourself. And I loved it. And then I made the move to Bondi and then business really started to take off. And then I thought, hang on, I've just done three years of training in presenting and performing and I've got this incredible love of health, fitness and well-being. How can I make those two marry together? Mm. What do I need to do to, to kind of, instead of playing a character in a show, play myself? So long before My Kitchen Rules existed, um, I started to reach out to as many different individuals as I knew who might have been in uh, you know, the media industry or television and I said, I'm offering myself for free for anything you need, whether it be a quick interview or um, a podcast or you know, anything you need, a comment for a newspaper. And I ran into some people who gave me an opportunity on Weekend Sunrise and then I had a little opportunity on Today Tonight and Current Affair as the health and fitness expert. And I did these little bits and pieces and I was like, this is cool. I'm like using the skills I learned at uni but I'm talking about what I'm really passionate about and what I do for work. And, you know, that was kind of my goal was to make a career out of doing that. Yeah, that's brilliant. I just had a, I just had a flashback memory. Did you, did you, did <laughs> oh, you no. used to, no, I know, uh-oh, but she's going to say. Yeah. Did I see like way back in the day, like YouTube videos? You did. Yeah. So <laughs> I've got all these, I've, I've taken them down now only because when I did um, get a go on My Kitchen Rules, they said, look, you've got a number of online videos and YouTube things, which are fantastic, Yeah. Um, but it probably isn't going to be great if they're online during whilst you're on TV because okay. people kind of track you down and they look for anything. They look for any material to either be positive or negative. Um, so we kind of enjoy our contestants starting with a blank canvas. Yeah. So there's a lot of hilarious videos, which sometimes I look back and laugh, uh, <laughs> that are in my YouTube channel, Clicked on Private. Uh, which I go, wow, because I would shoot them myself, edit them myself and starring them. <laughs> but it was quite, you were quite ahead of the times because I remember somebody sending it to me and saying, have you heard of this guy, Bondi PT, have you seen these videos? And, I mean, everybody makes videos of themselves now, but I feel like that was pretty groundbreaking back then. Yeah, I certainly feel like I was, especially in you know health and fitness, um, I was maybe one of the first who rather than showing just how an exercise is done, mm-hmm. I was talking about lifestyle choices. So I did these kind of videos which had three different components and one was the movement, one was the results and the other one was what you eat and some advice on food. Um, and it was really interesting and I guess we were in a different era then. There was no Instagram. So no. in this day and age... I think everything is based on um, interaction and and the fact how many likes you get and how many comments you get and the traction. Um, and back then it was you know it was really nothing. There wasn't much going on, um, but I loved it. I had I had a ball. Let's talk about my kitchen rolls because yep. I think it is a very big part of your life. Yeah. Um, and there's a few different 
points I want to touch on, but let's just start right at the beginning of, you know, what gave you the idea mm -hmm. and um, your relationship with Scott and how you guys sort of decided that you were going to go on the show and, and give it a go. Yeah, well, look, it was funny. I, um, I was never really a fan of the show and it had two seasons which I didn't even click onto my radar. And then a friend kind of got me into the third season and I became addicted. I was like a total <laughs> MKR fan. And then at the very last episode, an ad popped up saying, you know, do you fancy yourself as a bit of a home cook? Why not try out for season four? And I was like, this could be an incredible vehicle mm. to getting a, a, a bigger profile and a larger voice in what I do and, and no better way than talking about healthy food. I mean, why not give it a go? So yeah. the next couple of days I said to Scott, now how did I know Scott? Well, we were both personal trainers in the same park down in Bondi. Mm -hmm. So there's the Bondi Park where there's the play equipment down there and we would train opposite each other of a morning and we built a friendship based on simply saying good morning to each other each morning and going to the Earth Food Store on Gould Street for a post-training kind of chai or a coffee. And we became mates like that. And I said to him one day, I said, dude, let's audition for My Kitchen Rules. And he said, sounds great. What is it? And I said, well, don't worry about that. Let's just do a video and see how we go. On a Friday, we shot a video, um, which I'll have to share with you. It's quite a, you know, yeah, a silly audition that. video. And I'll share it with your <laughs> followers as well. Um, and we submitted it on a Friday and we heard back on Monday and oh we God. couldn't believe it. We we're like, oh my God, this is incredible. And they said, well, you're not on, but you've got three months ahead of you of auditions whilst we kind of narrow it down. Yeah. And it was everything from food quizzes to fake episode filming at home what? to psych tests. It really is quite an intricate process. Yeah. And eventually it came down to either two, fighter fight, two firefighters from the northern beaches or the two Bondi PTs. Yeah, wow. and Yeah, and, and we ended up getting it, which was fantastic. And then once we had been accepted, I said, mate, you should probably watch an episode just so you know <laughs> what we're in for. And um, he goes, yeah, cool. And I had some saved on my IQ, so he came over and I said, here we go. This, this is an elimination. Um, you know, this is what most of the episodes are like, and I press play. And he literally sat there for the hour with his hands covering his mouth in complete shock and fear. He was almost shaking. He said, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I, I can't, I, and I said, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. So we made a little challenge to ourselves that we would practice three dishes every day for the two months leading up to the start of filming. So we'd do an entree, a main, and a dessert every day. So we'd do our clients of a morning and then we'd kind of reconvene mid-morning and we'd put a little menu together and we'd practice. The majority of them were epic fails, I have to be honest. <laughs> they were epic fails. We really had a very um, <clears throat> slow learning curve. Yeah. And, uh, and then we eventually kind of got a few things under our belt, which ended up on the show, thank goodness. And, um, and the rest was history. We, we went on and our goal to each other was don't be eliminated first. Just mm -hmm. don't be that humiliating team that kind of is made fun of because they literally can't cook. Yeah. And um, we were so incredibly surprised we made it to the semifinals. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So were you, I mean, you were obviously an avid cook. You loved cooking. Yes. But did you, did you were you a skilled cook? Did God, you? no. No. Oh, absolutely not. So upon the day of auditioning, my repertoire was really bland kangaroo mints on buckwheat <laughs> toast. 
and that was probably eaten nearly every night of the week. And lunch was probably from the Earth Food Store and breakfast was also from the Earth Food Store. So cooking, I loved cooking. I loved food, but I wasn't very good at it. And then it was once we got on that I said, we need to be good at it. It's all well and good to love food and to have a passion for it and to love eating it and to love exploring cafes and trying what they've got. But we need to be able to recreate it and turn that love of food into plates of food. Yeah, and I mean, you two have come so far. Yeah, it's definitely been um, incredible because, you know, right now I could quite comfortably get into a commercial kitchen and whip something up without any, you know, without any support or help. I'd I'd be quite happy. And I mean, that's testament to everyone who's struggling in the kitchen then, right? Oh, honestly, anyone can do it. And that's the one thing I'm passionate about getting across with any of our books is that Anyone can look after their health because health starts in the kitchen and what starts in the kitchen is cooking and it doesn't have to be overcomplicated, fancy, be an emulsion or a foam. It just needs to be real good produce, treated with respect, put together beautifully. Yeah, with a little bit of flavour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about the reality TV side of MKR Uh because – you know, obviously there's pros to it and you guys went in with the intention of raising your profile. Yes. Um, but a lot of people also talk about the downside of it because yeah. you are in the limelight and it can be quite a fast progression into the limelight. Yeah, yeah. So were, were there some things that you guys kind of struggled with at first? Um, I think during the filming can be quite difficult because for six months you are in a state of lockdown, so you're not able to see your friends and family as you normally would. Um, You're running on very little sleep and you're also in a heightened environment where not only are you doing really, really long days in a strange environment, but you have to ask, can I go to the toilet? Can I please have a coffee? Can I please do this? It really changes your mentality because you go from being a kind of independent, mature adult almost to kind of like being on school camp Mm. where you've got to be quite well behaved in line and on their terms. So that was one adjustment Um, and Scott's a lot older than me so I guess I was kind of a lot, oh, he'll hate that. (laughs) Um, We can edit that out. (laughs) He was, he really struggled I guess because he was one of the more mature older adults in the show. Yeah. He was, he was like, I won't be told when I need to go to the bathroom. I won't be told what I eat and when. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I was kind of a little bit probably a different generation. was like, it's cool, it's cool, don't worry. Like, it's fine. Like, it's just the way things are. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many reality TV shows and there's so many stars that go through. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think, having been through it, is the thing that sets the people who succeed apart from the people that don't or that get sort of caught up in that world, especially now that social media is such a big thing. I mean, you can sort of come through those shows and just become, you know, this kind of walking advertisement for things. Yeah, yeah. You and then, yeah. And then there's the people like you and Scotty that kind of like take that fame and make use of it and make good with it. Yeah, look, it was it was different for us because we weren't allowed to have Facebook and Instagram during filming or during the airing of the oh. show. We couldn't build a following like the bachelorettes do now yeah. and like the current contestants of Big Brother do now. So they they end up coming out of a show with 150, 200K followers and therefore their life becomes really different because they, they appear to be and they become A-list guests based on followers yeah. and they also become kind of product 
endorsement kind of um, bitches, so to speak, mm. uh, because of their following. But then one day it might be a tee, the next day it might be a pair of shoes, the next day it'll be an airline. Now, we didn't go down that path and we won't go down that path because I think there's, there's something you need to respect your followers and you need to respect your audience. So we came out with a much smaller following because we weren't able to have that social platform. Yeah. So the, the following that we do have is really important to us. So we don't want to disrespect it. So we don't want to have them waking up to either a lifestyle that's unattainable or products they can't afford or putting anything in their face like, you know, tonight we're on this red carpet and tomorrow we're being flown here for free. Yeah. I don't think that's aspirational. I don't think that's realistic. What people want, and I believe from us, is how they can actually live a better lifestyle. And, and that's why, you know, what I do is I put out recipes and motivation for people to be happier and healthier. And I think, you know, I might not be... Um, getting 110 things thrown at me for free, but at least the message I'm putting out there is really honest and it's something that I hope helps other people. Yeah, and I mean, that that's that's so admirable because we're, we are living in a society now where we're becoming saturated with, with that kind of thing. So it's mm. nice, yeah, it's nice to have, it's nice to have people like you and Scotty show that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we're also no different to anyone. Just because we went on a show and we produce cookbooks and we, uh, you know, we are ambassadors for a number of small kind of aligned health lifestyle brands, mm. it doesn't make us different to someone who wakes up and goes to work at a call centre or someone who wakes up and goes to work at a primary school. No. Um, there's nothing that makes us particularly special. There's nothing that makes us particularly um, different to anyone more so the only thing different is we just have a larger platform to spread our message yeah. and that's why it's important to use it for good i mean i'm signed on with nature's way and fitbit and that's it like fitbit because i do exercise and i train hard and i think it's important people do increase their steps and look after themselves and nature's way because well they're you know organic superfoods so why not and i think people appreciate that because what we do what we speak what we preach aligns to who we are yeah I love also how you know when you came out when you came out of the show you guys continued with your businesses you know you didn't just throw it all away yeah no nah, god you've yeah. got to earn a living I think also people think you go on one of these shows and suddenly you get money and suddenly yeah. you get um you know you are driving free cars and you know you're going on these holidays I, I don't think a lot of the other messages portrayed out there from some of the other reality starlets is quite truthful. Mm. And I think there's sometimes a little bit of, you know, um, a struggle behind that because in reality, you need to keep earning a living and you need to keep paying rent. You need to keep, you know, getting things covered. We've got bills. You've got to, you've got to do something. And there's, just because we went on a show doesn't mean we can't go back to personal training in the park. No. Um, and so tell me, tell me about the cookbooks because <laughs> there are so many of them. Oh my God, I know. There's like, people are so confused. They're like, oh, I've got your book. And I say, oh, which one? And they're like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, so they're the clean living books. Yep. And how many, how many have you guys put out now? There are six. Yeah, wow. Did I'm... you ever think you would have six cookbooks? God, no, that's insane. I mean, that's just, yeah, like really, really out of this world. We didn't think, we, we hoped for one at the end of the show. We had no idea it would become yeah. a whole series. 
Um, you know, it's like the Encyclopedia Britannica of clean living. <laughs> yeah. Remember those as a kid? That I was do like whenever those. you had a school project, you'd have to go to the good room and get like siphoned through Encyclopedia Britannicas. <laughs> <laughs> Put them in the bibliography. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, so I guess the other big thing that's come out of all of this is your work with Pete yeah. from the show yep. um, on the Paleo Way tour. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, Pete and I obviously could tell throughout filming that we had an alignment, but mm. he said very early on, look, mate, I can tell we'd probably get along, but I can't be your mate right now. It's too hard. Yeah. The, show, the show is really strict and the producers are really strict on any form of bias um, and I can't have the producers thinking that or also any of the contestants. And the less I know about you now, the better, because it will help me judge you um, fairly. And if you need to go next week, you'll need to go. And if you need to go near the end, you'll need to go then. Um, and, and having a friendship with you won't, won't affect that. So um, let's keep our distance and then maybe talk in the future. And then it was New Year's Day, actually, um, after filming of the show where he said, mate, how are you? would you like to train me? And I was like, yeah, for sure. So he kind of initially became a client um, and we trained, uh, I trained him and um, he had a little bit of a home gym at his house and we'd do a couple of sessions a week and then we went from kind of train a client to to mates and then it was after a few months where he suggested we come become business partners on a number of projects and then, you know, a few years down the track, I'm the uh, CEO of the Paleo Way online program, which is um, a combined business between him and I, which is a kind of a subscription-based health and well-being program, 10 weeks. Oh. And, um, and we, we do live events and live tours and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's been a fantastic relationship, which is ever-evolving and growing. I was at the first – I'm pretty sure it was the first Paleo Way tour – in the city where Nora Gregoudis was talking? Was that yep. the first one? Yeah, so the first one was very talk heavy yes. um, and it was very much based around the science um, and that's why we had Nora out because if there's anyone who's best placed to you know chat about mm. the science, then it's Nora. Um, and then the round two uh, last year, yeah, like early last year, we did an epic tour. It was two months. We did um, 27 shows across Australia and New Zealand in two months. We had 40 flights and 38 different hotels. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was absolutely nuts. And it was was incredible. We connected to so many people because it wasn't just Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth. We did everywhere from Townsville, Mackay, Bundaberg, um, Ballarat, Geelong. We, we went everywhere. Albury, Wodonga, like it was fantastic. And sometimes the regional crowds were bigger than the capital cities. Let's talk about paleo. Let's bust some of the controversies surrounding <laughs> it because I feel, you know, and I, and I guess Pete kind of started it because people like to pick on the celebrity. Mm-hmm. But it, it made big news. It made big headlines. And yeah, it, it had it, been around for, well, it's been around since the Paleolithic era. Yes. But it had kind of <laughs> burst onto the scenes probably, what would you say, like five, six years ago with like Mark Sisson talking about it yeah. and Nora talking about it. But then I guess it kind of hit Australia with Pete and you and the Paleo tour. Well, I think for one, for some reason in Australia with the media, Pete becomes a really easy target. Mm. 
Um, I think the media do find particular individuals which are easy to gang up on. Um, and for whatever reason, they kind of really enjoy doing that. And then the minute something gets traction, it's on everything from Woman's Weekly to Mamma Mia, and they work out what makes good clickbait. Yeah. Um, and Pete became fantastic clickbait. So they ignored the science, they ignored, ignored the facts, and they ignored any actual evidence-based truth around the lifestyle, and they purely created hype and got, you know, the highest click rate they've ever had. For everybody who's listening, mm-hmm. what is what is the approach to the paleo diet? So basically, the paleo way, in, in, in my opinion and in, in many people's opinion, is the avoidance of dairy, grains, refined foods, legumes, and celebrating an abundance of seasonal vegetables, fresh fruits, nuts, seeds, and sustainable sources of protein from land and sea animals. Now, there can't be a more natural way of life available to us. And the foods that we do avoid just turn out to be uh, like very inflammatory for many, many people. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has an adverse reaction to dairy. And I'm also not saying that everybody has an adverse effect to grains. But a lot of us do, Mm. and a lot of us don't understand how it feels to feel good. Because we've been consuming certain foods which do create an inflammatory reaction in our body, we've been living the majority of our lives in a heightened state of inflammation, which can cause systemic sickness. When people start to eliminate some of these foods, they realize that they're not gassy. They don't have IBS. Their skin does clear up. They have a happier mood. They have more energy. And I think it's when people start to eliminate some of those foods and understand how good real food can be that they go, well, this isn't as extreme as the newspaper makes out. I mean, what is extreme about celebrating an abundance of vegetables, nuts, seeds, and, you know, sustainably sourced protein sources? It's quite affordable as well, isn't it? Oh, incredibly. I mean, a staple of this way of life is your bone broth or stock. And that is incredible. It'll cost you 50 cents a cup when you make a big batch at home. It's used making, you know, basically carrot, onion, celery, some fresh herbs in there and meat and bones from the from any offcuts of animal that you've got. So fish for a fish stock, chicken carcass for a chicken and beef bones with the marrow for, for a beef bone stock and the health benefits for, of that alone is absolutely incredible. And it all comes down to one of the biggest factors of the paleo way of life is about re, restarting and reclaiming your gut health through the combination of stocks and broths and fermented veggies because they say it's not what you eat, it's what you absorb. And so, so many of us out there don't have healthy stomachs and tummies and we're not digesting and taking in any of those beautiful nutrients that we should be. And I I guess another big part of the paleo diet is the emphasis on good fats. Uh Uh-huh, that's exactly right. For so long, for years and years, fats were chastised. They were were the worst thing in the world and then became through the late 80s and 90s and um, early into the 2000s was this low-fat era. Now, when you you take fat out of food, we all now know that they replace it with sugar to get that same flavor consistency. Mm. And what happened is is that everyone's waistlines actually increased and type 2 diabetes increased because we were consuming sugar beyond belief. 
Now we've realized, thank goodness, that we can celebrate good sources of fats, those from like avocados, olives, nuts, seeds, coconut oil, coconut flesh. And we understand that our brains actually function optimally on fat and it is the best way for us to live. Yeah. And also, I think something that a lot of people aren't aware of is that many of the vitamins and nutrients in the foods that we eat are fat soluble. So Uh unless you're eating fat with your vegetables, you're not going to be absorbing all of those beautiful nutrients. That's exactly right. I mean, turmeric, for example, is on everyone's lips at the moment. It is literally the flavor of the month. Mm. And for good reason, it is absolutely one of the best medicinal superfoods you can get to reduce inflammation and increase your health. But tablespooning turmeric into your mouth on its own isn't going to change a thing. It is a fat-soluble food source that needs to be combined for you to absorb it into your body. Where do you think the best place is to start for people who are interested in the paleo diet? I think first things first is to get back into the kitchen. Mm. Your food doesn't have to be fancy and it doesn't have to be complicated. If you stick to the paleo principle, which is the, the nuts, the seeds, the fresh seasonal fruit and vegetables and sustainable sources of protein on your plate, that to me defines a beautiful roast dinner. Why not roast up a chicken? get some veggies and some greens and you've got the perfect paleo plate. Keep it simple. Start in the kitchen and stop buying processed foods. I mean, that's that's one of the traps in this day and age. We live in a day of convenience where people are so busy and so stressed that they're reaching for the quickest thing they can possibly get. And I guess one of the other big myths of the paleo diet is that it's very meat-centric and mm-hmm. that's not the case, is it? Oh, absolutely not. My plate breakfast, lunch, and dinner is way more seasonal vegetables than any form of protein. A palm size of protein is all you need on that plate. And it isn't about big bits of steak and bacon and sausages. That's that's the opposite of paleo because paleo is about being sustainable. And if you want to be sustainable, you don't want to eat, you know, eat the world's meat sources away. You want to have really small, concise, beautiful, well-sourced pieces. It, it extends further than just diet, doesn't it? Paleo is a lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. So, so absolutely. What, yeah, so what other, what other factors are there when it comes into living the paleo way? Well, I feel like it's a three-pronged approach when going the paleo way. Obviously, it's the food, which we've talked about. And secondly, there's the exercise component. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about rushing to the gym and doing bicep curls. I'm talking about moving functionally in a way that we enjoy that helps us live a better life. Now, that might mean taking the dog for a walk every morning, and it might be doing some functional movements, similar to those of CrossFit, but take away the intensity movements that use multiple parts of our body at once to live functionally in a better way of life so that when it comes time to lift, push, pull, carry, we are ready to do so in a really good way. That's my dog. That's my dog. He's like, hi. Um, and, uh, And then thirdly is your mindset. My goodness. If, if there's a time that we need to be switched on and focused on calming down, reducing stress, being mindful, it is now. Mm. We are living in an age where we are so switched on. We are constantly looking at smartphones, laptops. We are constantly contactable 24-7 where anyone can get us at any time, any day of the week. Therefore, the ability to switch off is harder and harder every day, especially with the stresses of work. 
what I can say out there is the importance of being mindful, slowing down, meditating is, is, is vital, really, really vital. Yeah, I couldn't agree more as I sit here with my iPad, my iPhone, my laptop <laughs> and my second screen looking at yeah. me. <laughs> I think you'd agree that there's some days when your phone makes another ding or a, a ring where you actually want to lose your mind. There's some days that I'm so stressed with work and I'm so run off my feet that if my phone rings one more time, I feel like I'll look at the sky and scream. I know. And, you know, and that to me, and I'm sure for you, is when you go, Jesus, what's happening? Why, why am I pushing myself this much? And it's only once you shut that laptop that you turn that phone onto airplane mode. I mean, I only turn my airplane, uh, my, my phone onto airplane mode when I'm not on a plane. Yes. When I'm on one, I'm trying to hide that I'm not doing it. Yeah. But when you do it, you just – and in fi- walk doesn't have to be in the beach or the most beautiful location. Just go for a walk and don't take your device and see how much you calm down. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I was only just thinking yesterday how fast this new technology came on. Mm-hmm. You know, That's it's only exactly really right. been in the last oh, maybe four or five years. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. And I think people are starting to really realize the effect and the toll that it's having on them. Mm. You know what I mean? They're starting to go, oh, my goodness. The first thing I do in the morning is check my Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, email, Pinterest and whatnot. I mean, it's not normal. No. Why, why don't we wake up and go outside, have a big glass of water and relax and talk to our loved ones or give our dog a pat, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you were telling me just before we got on this call that yeah. you are actually no longer in Bondi. I'm not. I've given up the Bondi PT officially. I'll have to hand that flag over to someone. Oh, you someone. could sell it for a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm up, actually up in northern New South Wales in a little coastal town called Cassiarina, which is 30 minutes north of Byron Bay. Um, so I kind of mix my shopping time between Byron and the Goldie um, and where I live really, really quiet. I mean, we've just got a very small set of shops, um, nothing major and it's, it's beautiful. It's so peaceful. Sometimes when I come to Sydney or Melbourne for work, I see more people on one intersection than I might see in a, an entire week back home. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, um, I lived in Byron for a little while and oh, you know, there's no traffic lights in Byron. There's <laughs> not one set of traffic lights. And I oh, remember, that's so true. yeah, I remember driving up to the Gold Coast once. Yeah. And it's not until you hit the Gold Coast that you hit traffic lights. And I was just like, oh my goodness, what a different world I've been living in. Oh, too funny. That it's is so too funny. Fun. Yeah. So um, what does the future look like for you, Luke Hines? Okay, the future for me, I believe, is about continuing publishing, um, which I'm really, really excited about. Mm. So um, I'll be making an announcement very, very soon um, later in the year just about, um, you know, what my next project will be. Um, because, uh, yeah, I think for me, I want to keep inspiring Australians to get into that kitchen um, and, and cook with real food. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're paleo, you're vegan, you're pagan. It's just about celebrating what works for you and, and actually doing it, getting off your ass and doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's the key, hey? You know, we, yeah. can, we can learn all the concepts in the world, but you actually have to practice it. 
Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely correct. And um, and the other thing which I think is is really exciting is the being able to connect and tour with people. So I wanna I wanna tour again later in the year and um, go everywhere similar to where we went with the Paleo Way tour and and do cooking classes, demonstrations to where they don't normally get it. You know, yeah. I mean the capital cities are really, really spoiled when it comes to this type of thing. So when 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 we visit places like, you know, small regional towns, they they, they love it and they're grateful. They're a really, really grateful audience and that excites me to travel around and help people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the small regional towns that need it. I um I found when I was working with Sarah on I Quit Sugar, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of the regional um, followers would be like, Oh, you know, I don't think that I can follow this diet because, you know, my supermarket doesn't have any of the fancy health ingredients and you know, we used to always say to them, it's not about the fancy health ingredients. It's about, you know, seasonal, local produce, uh-huh, uh-huh. which everybody That's has exactly access right. to. Everyone does. Sometimes I, I do a lot of the customer support for our 10-week program, which is very similar to Sarah's. And when I look through some of the questions, they're saying, oh, but will this way of life be too expensive for me? I have a family of four. I'm a single mum. And I love replying and saying, no, actually following these easy tips, which is cook in bulk, use your freezer, buy seasonally, buy locally, you're going to realize how much money you're saving because you're not buying packets of chips and Tim Tams and all that crap. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to shop the periphery of the supermarket, that is Uh key. That's exactly right. And when people celebrate nutrient-dense food, they feel fuller, for longer, then they're constantly not going through that that spike of sugar, needing more sugar, needing more sugar. They're, they're, they're sustaining and satiating their body on good fats. And when you eat good fats and well-sourced sources of protein, you're eating less, less often. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I, um, I follow a very low-sugar, high-fat diet. And the yeah. other day, I had a friend's birthday and uh-huh. we had um, just a normal birthday cake normal birthday cake yep and i had a slice of it and uh-huh. i finished it and immediately i wanted a second slice which is oh, just wow. not like yeah. me at all you know you have, yeah. a, you have a healthy nutrient dense you know high fat piece of cake usually yep. and you yep. can barely eat half of it but this yeah. one oh my god i need more oh my I god need i more. need more yeah, it's like a drug. It is, it is. It's like a drug. <laughs> and then totally. the crash, oh, it's horrible. Yeah, that's exactly right. And some people are just in this constant, constant cycle of it, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And and people don't realize, as I said earlier, people don't know how feeling good can honestly feel. Yeah. And, and I love seeing that aha moment when someone's detoxed and starts to follow this way of life and they go, far out I feel good you're right like I don't need that crap to kind of pick me up and to give me a false sense of happiness or energy Um, you know and look I've got to say to anyone listening out there whether you're kind of already converted or or thinking about converting it isn't always easy I'm not saying right now that weaning off your sugar addiction um, and processed foods is going to be easy because it's not a walk in the park I think you and I can both be testaments to that is that we have emotional attachments to food. We, we honestly do. And there's things when I'm stressed and tired, there's foods from, you know, my earlier less healthy years that I begin to crave because to me that gives me comfort and to me 
that that fixes that feeling and it's such a false sense of security because within half an hour to an hour of having it you're either having a crash because you've been lifted up into body the stratosphere or you're craving more and it sets you off for a few days of poor eating mm. and you know it's so worth it if you make the change and and feeling good can feel bloody good so if there's anyone out there who's not 100% convinced just try it because there's not been one single soul that's come back to me and said, oh, actually, I didn't feel good. Yeah, yeah, it made me feel worse. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt worse. I, I couldn't yes. believe it. Not only could I see my abs, which was disgusting, mind you, <laughs> but I slept better and there's nothing like I don't want to sleep that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Luke, if people want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, fantastic. Well, across social media, it's Luke Hines Online. Um, and then when it comes to my website, it's just lukehines.com. And I often like to say it's Luke Hines spelt like Marsha um, <laughs> because a lot of people think Hines, they think the beans. Now, I'm paleo. We can't go down that no. path. There's no beans or legumes in my name, um, but there's certainly a good singing voice, hopefully. So let's stick with the Marsha. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I, um, I had... Um, visions of you maybe working the pantomime circuit after I oh. heard about your musical theatre career? Look, I, I've got to talk to Bonnie Lithgow. I think I do because yeah. they, they love a good degrade in a pantomime <laughs> and I can give them the degrade if they can give me the pantomime. Oh, come uh, on, Luke. You're definitely degrade. <laughs> 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 I, I need Dancing with the Stars to be up to B, I reckon. <gasps> OMG, you have to do Dancing with the Stars. Look, there's this new show coming. I think it's called Cannonball. And it's basically a show where they get celebrities and they shoot them out. No, they do. They (laughs) shoot them out of a human cannonball and there's obstacles. And it's kind of like um, a wipeout, but for celebrities. I mean, that to me, like, it's up there. It's up there with Celebrity Dog School, which was on TV about 15 years ago. Oh, my God. You cannot be shut, shut out of a cannonball. Promise me, please. <laughs> oh, too funny. That is too funny. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And you too. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. If you liked this week's episode, head on over to the blog for all the show notes, theinspiredtable.com.au. And if you're looking for a little bit of inspiration before next week's episode, come and find me on Instagram at The Inspired Table or over on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Inspired Table. Until next week's episode, I'm Jordana Levine wishing you an inspirational week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.